0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio-Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm Jack Humphrey. I'm sitting in on this part of the show and on the switchboard for Gina, who is out today. Very rare occurrence, but it happens sometimes. Uh, So I'm going to be running the switchboard, and I may be spinning you a, a previous guest because our guest is not here yet today. Uh, So, I will uh, do a little bit of an introduction here, and we'll see if our guest makes it in. I hope he's not having too much trouble. Um, Our guest today is supposed to be Glenn Harold, and he's an author, musician, and experienced clinical hypnotherapist who's helped thousands of clients over a wide range of stress-related problems. He's combined his hypnotherapy skills with an extensive recording knowledge to produce a uniquely effective series of high quality hypnosis recordings that have sold over seven million copies and are well established as the UK's best selling self help audio titles of all time. And I read as slowly as it's possible for me to do (laughs) and our guest is not here yet, so we may have to spin up a rerun. But Probably a really good rerun. I'm going to look through my my uh, previous guest list here. And uh, I like what I'm seeing. So let's see. Ah, No, no, not that one. Nope. How about this one? I'm going to spin up Barry Nicholson, uh, Levels of Awareness. And there were three parts to this actually. Um, but we're going to do part one with Barry Nicholson. So everyone enjoy. And by the way, uh, one of the things that we've been working on lately before I spin this up is something called Divizio. And we now have the unique ability on the web to offer people who use Infusionsoft the ability to do instant split pays, meaning that when your affiliates and joint venture partners sell something for you, you can pay them instantly. That is a, an industry first. And it's only available at DuVizio.com, D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com. Go over there and check it out for more. Enjoy the show.
0: Blog Talk Radio.
2: Welcome to Breakthrough Directions. Each week, Breakthrough Directions explores the two faces of your business, outward through marketing and client delivery, and inward, your vision, profit model, systems, team, and you so you can grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the
1: show.
3: Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Breakthrough Directions here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of Directions University at directionsu.com. I'm calling to you live this week from Bonita Springs, Florida, as I do each week on Tuesdays at noon Eastern. We have got another great guest lined up for you guys today. We have my friend and co-host, Linda Feinholt, the founder of the Breakthrough Academy at BreakthroughByDesign.com. Linda's calling in live this week from Los Angeles, California. Hello, Linda.
0: Hello, Gina. It's fabulous to be here for another amazing show.
3: <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We've had so many great guests the last few weeks. I really can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to yet another.
0: Me too. You know, I I was thinking a lot about um, the conversations we've been having guests over the past few weeks, and we keep coming back to this issue of how to make the best connection we can, whether it's with our team, it's with our partners, it's with our customers and clients. And I was absolutely delighted to be able to invite today's guest to join us. You know, um, there was an article that I just saw this week that was reiterating yet again that people make decisions based on emotion. All the brain science studies have shown that every one of us, no matter how intellectual we think we are, no matter how analytical we think we are, we actually make decisions emotionally and then rationalize them. And that's why it's so opportune for us to have our guest today, imagine having the almost godlike ability to send the exact marketing message your prospect is dying to hear at the very time they want to hear it, making it virtually impossible to resist. Imagine that, Gina. <laughs>
3: Oh, my goodness, would that be really awesome.
0: Yeah, so our guest today says absolutely you can develop this ability, but only if you learn to ask the one key question about your prospect that 99% of marketers fail to ask. Our guest today is Barry Nicholson. He's known as the copywriter to the gurus because he has helped people who have mega multimillion-dollar businesses in many different industries Solve this very issue in how they connect with their markets. So, Barry, welcome aboard.
1: Hey guys, great to be
0: here. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Uh
2: that was a, a rousing introduction. Thank you very much.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. So, you know, we're, we're often talking to our audience about the fact that our guests are here to um, expose, jealously guard secrets by our top marketers, our top experts who consult to businesses and so on. And when you and I were talking, I knew that, you are exactly who we want to bring to our guest today. And before we start diving into the nitty-gritty, because I know everybody wants to know, okay, what's the secret? What's the secret is let's back up a little bit. I would love to know how it came to be that you're now spending your life in this world called copywriting.
2: Well, that's actually kind of, it's actually kind of a funny story. I, I, um, I live here in Sarasota, Florida, uh, not too far from you, Gina. Enjoying the weather? <laughs> oh, very much so. And, um, w- but I started in copywriting back in Indiana, um, with married to my uh, wonderful wife of 21 years. And actually, I was in the marketing business. I was doing um, postcard campaigns for the restaurant industry. Um, had kind of gotten exposed to this, this sort of direct response uh, world that a lot of businesses, thankfully, are starting to discover or have been discovering over the last five to ten years. Sort of your average bricks and mortar businesses, and um, I had discovered that myself. I was doing these types of campaigns for the restaurant industry, and um, so I had become familiar with what, and um, Kennedy, a lot of the principles that he that he teaches. i sure, uh, hopefully, a lot of the listeners here are, are familiar with his uh, his materials, and uh, was pretty part of their newsletter and all that. And um, so I was getting their newsletters every month, reading them voraciously, trying to apply the principles. That um, that I'd read, and uh, so my wife, who at the time was a personal trainer and fitness instructor, uh, you know, she'd been in sort of a gym sort of environment like that, and and had wanted to kind of branch off into corporate marketing that type of thing, kind of branch off in her own business as a personal trainer. So, so she was kind of reading these materials. It's like she, it's like she would wait till I wasn't looking or something, because she didn't want to show too much interest, kind of, because <laughs> she thought I was by it, and she, didn't want to, she wanted to feign interest, if you will. But, um, so she started kind of trying her hand at this, and I kind of looked at what she was doing, and, and um, so, but around that same time, Bill Glazer, uh, Dan Kennedy's business partner in the Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, uh, and for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle um, you know, is one of the largest small, small and medium-sized business sort of um, marketing consultancies. Um, that's out there has a huge mailing list. It's, it's, it's a big deal in the direct response world, and so uh, Bill Glazer at the time had put out an advertisement uh, that he was looking for a copywriting apprentice. It was a paid gig, you know. The, he, um, you know, and he didn't necessarily want somebody to move there to to the Baltimore area. He was willing to work with somebody rem- remotely. Well, I had seen the work that my wife had done for her own business, and for somebody who was completely you know, didn't know anything about copywriting or really in marketing in general other than just reading the newsletters, she was pretty good out of the gate. And so I said, you know, honey, you don't have anything to lose. You should absolutely apply for this position. I think you've got what it takes. And who knows, uh, you know, you can't win if you don't try kind of thing. And at first she just thought I was crazy, and, and I said, look, this is a really big deal. What do you have to lose? Well, so um, – so I knew one thing, that if she, and she was going to decide to do this. She, she was going to have to get Bill's attention because, you know, we'll talk a lot about getting attention here a little bit later. But um, for those of you who might know, Bill Glazer is the author of a book called um, Outrageous Advertising uh, that's outrageously successful. So I knew, and he's really big on doing things that are completely outrageous, especially through direct mail. And um, so I knew at least that about him. That you were going to get his attention, you would have to just have to do something ridiculous to get his attention, so we put our heads together, and she wrote the job was to do a one page cover letter and um and then however else you wanted to send it, so we knocked around a few ideas, and this of course, you know waiting until the last minute it was just like the last day before you could do something, so we ended up fedexing a box of you ever go to that uh, store in the mall? I think it's called Spencer's Gifts. Uh, you know, they have a, some pretty kind of colorful things, if you will. And uh, they sell those bride-to-be, like our brides in a box, as they called it. You know, <laughs> okay, let's, let's, all right, let's be honest. It was a blow-up doll. But it wasn't a blow-up doll, like, really graphic. It was sort of a, you know, rated PG blow-up doll. And we, we put that in there, of course, glued it up, and, and, put, and taped the sales letter, essentially, to the, to the doll's chest put a, uh, a package of x lax in the doll's hand, and and uh, the letter said something to the effect of, in one smooth move, you can have all of your copywriting projects done or something to that, but I don't remember the headline. <laughs> um, so just package, and there's like holes in the box, and on the outside of the box, it says, caution, hot chicken side. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, of course, you know, now, now Bill, apparently when he got it, you know, it opens with a box cutter just like anything else. Well, apparently he, you know, that was the death of the doll. So he didn't get the full effect uh, because the blow-up doll was no longer blown up at that point. Um, I mean, she had a gash in her abdomen, I guess. <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> but uh, I am proud to say that uh, my, my wonderful wife, Darlene, had, uh, she got the gig. And um, out of about 90 or so people who applied some – very experienced copywriters from literally from all over the world applied for the position.
3: And, yes,
2: it was the outrageous package that certainly got Bill's attention, but it was her uh, her abilities, obviously. And fast um, forward quite a bit. Uh, Darlene ended up working with Bill for about a year and uh, wrote uh, many of the promotions around time. I think this was about eight years ago, if my memory serves, and uh, she wrote a lot of promotions for Glazer Kennedy, um, the first – you know, some of the info marketing stuff. Uh, she actually wrote some, some letters in Dan Kennedy's voice. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that on air, but I just did. Too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it was obviously, it was, a, it was a tremendous experience. And so, uh, word got out pretty quickly that, uh, Bill had his apprentice. And, um, so we started getting a lot of work coming in for Darlene. And so, you know, I do have to swallow my pride a little bit here on the air and say that I actually got my copywriting start as my wife's ghostwriter. <laughs> Perfect.
3: Oh, that's too uh, funny.
2: So she, uh, fortunately, she got so much work. I mean, Bill only kept her so busy, and she was able to take on some other projects. So a lot of sort of what we call the, um, the mini-Dans. You know, Dan Kennedy is sort of the, the grand small business uh, marketing expert, and he has a lot of guys um, who niche his techniques under his you know, good graces uh, in the restaurant business, the insurance business, and so on a lot of those sort of minor gurus, if you will, started uh, ringing our phone. and So we, we got so busy that Darling couldn't handle the volume. And so I actually took up a lot of the work and ended up selling out of the U.M. uh company that I had and just started writing copy full time. And um, so we've been um, doing it, I, I would say, full time ever since. We've had some other businesses that we've, that we've started since then, but uh, I'm still writing copy every day um, pretty much without fail.
3: You want to know a really small world. I started out in Indiana, and I'm now in southwest Florida as well. Where in Indiana did you start? Evansville. Oh, my goodness. I was up in the Crown Point area, but no Evansville, (laughs) wow.
2: Yeah, we um, actually, you know, another beautiful thing about working from home um, is that, you know, actually, uh, Darlene had a, had a sickness that she was dealing with. In fact, we'll, we may talk about that a little bit later when we talk about uh, pain issues, but she had a, a sickness that she was dealing with that only seemed to come about um, during the cold, uh, around every time Thanksgiving. You know, of course, anybody who lives in the Midwest listening, you know that it's pretty much gray outside and below 30 degrees for about, Five months on end, and yeah. you know, we were working from home. You know, and we're from there. I mean, we have a huge family there, and and uh, but you know, for five years, this this illness went on every winter. So we just decided to, you know, fortunately we were able to, since we do work from home, we we're able to move to Florida, and um, we got rid of cold, and thankfully we got rid of her sickness. Looks like she wow, that's great.
3: Yeah. And where are you Absolutely. now in Florida? Sarasota. Oh yeah, right up the street. Wow.
2: Yep, absolutely. We love it here. But, you know, don't I don't want that to encourage more visitors because we've had about a 15% increase in visitors. I think the economy is definitely improving. Cause the it was are ridiculous there. this year. In force. They are. It was <laughs> so nice thing. yesterday for time.
3: April 1st and all the people left. Yay! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, you two. Come on. No
3: line at dinner last night. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, that's it. You could get your table. (laughs) So I have a question for you, Barry. You know, it's so funny. I deal with so many experts in so many arenas, and your arena is about language, and we're all surrounded by language. So because you and Darlene are this dynamic duo of copywriting – Day in and day out, when you leave your house, you are surrounded by copy. Do you find right. yourself constantly evaluating other people's copy, or can you separate yourself and just enjoy life when you're not copywriting?
2: Well, yeah, that would be a little much, because I do spend probably way too much time online and, um, I do I, – I find myself analyzing probably more the uh, – you know, being the armchair, armchair quarterback, literally, when I watch te- television. I'm still amazed that there are ad agencies out there that can sell these ridiculous concepts to these these companies that obviously have bottomless pockets because they'll, they'll release these clever commercials and they'll laugh, you know, or what have you, maybe, you know, and then you'll go, I haven't – no recollection whatsoever, or even what the product is or was, what it did, what it does for me, anything. But it was, <laughs> you know. So I, I, th- I think I probably find myself doing that. Um, and in a case, but as far as more as the uh, the real copywriting world, as I like to say, you know, the direct response world, I, I may, you know, when I get um, emails, I try not to get on you know, too many um, email lists like I used to be. But you know, mm-hmm. when I get sub- subject lines in that I think. Frankly, really stink by people that probably should know better. I always think it's a little ponderous, but mm-hmm. you know, again, maybe they're just in a rush and having a bad day, or they didn't split test, which there's there's a lot less split testing going on in the market than you would you would think. Uh, but I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does. It does. You know, um, part of what you and I spoke about that we were going to bring to the conversation today is the five levels of awareness, and I would love to use that as how we anchor our conversation today, especially since, you know, we were just talking about your level of awareness when you're out in the world and you've got language coming at you and copy and so on. And so I spend so much time with my clients, and I know Gina does the same thing, which is helping tune our awareness to what's actually important to spend our time on. And so I'd love to bring it to this whole arena of emotion and language and so on.
2: Uh, absolutely. I, I love this topic. It's probably, it's been a, one of the most groundbreaking things that, uh, and it's, I'll, I'll go ahead and not warn the readers that's pro- or, or listeners, that's probably a, a bad word. Just just say this is a, it's a fairly advanced topic, but it is, ex- it's extremely important. It's one of the most groundbreaking things that I've read or, or become, you know, aware of in the in the last six months. And it's not anything new. Um, it's something that actually Gene Schwartz in a famous book called Breakthrough Advertising uh, talked about. But, but if I can back up and just kind of give you the big picture, um, one of the things, you know, a, a lot of people when, when they study copyright, you know, they'll learn the fundamentals, and, it, and it's extremely important to know the fundamentals. Um, you know, the fundamentals being, you know, they'll, they'll know, well, I got to have a, a great headline, uh, maybe a great sub headline, a lead that, deve- you know, brings people into the story. Um, you know, and and, and all these I have to have a strong offer and the and guarantee and all those kinds of things. And and, and those are all great. And, and, in fact, if you know that and you apply that in your own copywriting or at least you oversee other people writing copy for you, you're probably ahead about 90, 90% of who the people are out there. But this next topic really helps uh, answer a huge question mark that um, most, most marketers aren't – Aren't even sure they need to ask this question, but I think as we as we talk about this, it'll, it'll 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 come full circle. And the most important question that you need to ask is, what does your customer already know about what it is that you're selling, about their problem, um, about you, about you know just just where are they in their awareness cycle? Because a lot of times, what I, I see a huge mistake being made. Is that um, marketers sort of try to use this one-size-fits-all or one-size-fits-all message for the market, and and they're trying to t- try to it could even be a great offer, very well-written copy, but if it's sent to a a market that is not in the right place in their mindset or not at the right place in the awareness cycle, it is going to fall on completely deaf ears. So. Um, again, and this is not a – I don't want to take credit for these concepts at all. In fact, I want to give huge kudos, and if you're interested in this, I'll go ahead and give you a resource. Um, there's a book called Great Leads by a guy named Michael Masterson. It's actually co-written by Michael Masterson and John Ford. And it, at the I think you can get it on Kindle right now for all of – like, I don't know, $7, which to me is is just complete insanity. I mean, I, I bought the hard copy, and it cost me like 30 bucks, and it, it is absolutely one of the best books on copywriting ever written. And so the concepts that I'm going to share with you today are really just bullet points of what are in that book, but I think they're so strong that, I, you know, and I didn't write the book. I'm not going to take credit for it. I just want to bring attention to it because it has really changed my approach to copy. So uh, I just want to – so, again – the key is what does your customer already know so I'm going to t- I'm going to talk about at first what are they most aware of so if, if, if a customer is in that most aware stage of your product or your service the probably I always think about you know the easiest one it would be like an Apple iPhone or an iPad Anytime Apple puts out anything pretty much the Apple crowd frankly they know about it ahead of time they are in other words they are most aware of of where, of where they are with the product and with the company and their desire for it and their need for it, and they, at that point, they really just want to know what the deal is. In fact, I, I can bring that back full circle to myself. So, like, um, when the uh, my, my, my um, cell phone contract expired around Christmas, so there was no question what, what Barry wanted for Christmas, <laughs> and that was the new i5, the, you know, the, the new iPhone. So at that point, I, I was very aware of what I wanted, of the product that I wanted, of, you know, everything about it. So it really, it all just boiled down to the deal. Now, you guys remember around Christmas? Now, if you weren't in the market for an iPhone, maybe you don't remember. But there, Best Buy and Walmart were in a battle for the iPhone business. And at that point, I think Best Buy had a $50 off deal, and uh, Walmart turned out they had a $60 off deal. Well, guess where I went? Because at that stage, I just was—I I, it was all about the deal. I knew that I wanted an iPhone. So, in other words, I was—I was most aware at that point, uh, you know, my level of awareness. Now, uh, there's a next stage of awareness where, the, where a person is aware of, of there are products out there. They they may know that you sell something, and they know that other people sell something that's similar, the same, or or could do could could, could do something for them but they're not sure exactly which, which one's right for them.
0: So would we say so, that at that moment folks are in the research mode?
2: That's exactly right. In fact, um, I, you, you took my example right out of my mouth. Here's, here's another thing. Like I was in the market about six months ago for a new laptop computer. Now, I use a Mac uh, desktop, a really nice one, but I, just, I frankly just didn't want to spend the money on a, on a, on a Mac laptop uh, well, here, Jeannie, I'll give you a Florida thing to relate to. I really want to be able to write copy on my Porsche. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, is that worth spending 1600 bucks or whatever costs on a, on a Mac laptop? Probably hard to, to justify that to my wife. So I got that. I went back to the PC. So at that point, I knew that I wanted a PC. And one big thing that I wanted was I didn't want a laptop that was going to get hot in my lap. I, find that, I think that's so annoying. I don't understand why laptops, so though, to have the fan on the bottom. So that was my criteria. I knew that, I, you know, so I wasn't brand – it didn't matter to me what brand I was going to use. So I went out, you know, I started shopping on Amazon. I started, you know, reading reviews. But, but again, my criteria was it just had to, you know, have a certain kind of screen maybe. I, didn't, I wanted the fan on the side so it wouldn't make my – and sure enough, I ended up finding the one that I liked, fit my budget, and I bought it. So I wasn't partial to any brand at that point but I was just what they call product aware. Okay, the next level of awareness would be when somebody is solution aware. In other words, they have a problem, they know they want a solution to that problem, and they know that there's, there is a solution out there, but they're not biased towards a particular solution. They only have their outcome in mind. And and they also have. Here's a key element. They have hope, as opposed to another one that we're going to talk about here in a second. So at this point, the best example I can give for this is weight loss. So you know, obviously, people know that there's all sorts of things that they could do out there to lose weight. I mean, it's just. In fact, it's such a it's such a huge category of 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 the market. You know, it's, it's tough for people to make decisions. You know, they can decide, do I want to do the whole, you know, the extreme boot camp fitness route? Or am I, you know, more of a wimp And do I just want to, you know, do I want to do a Nutrisystem thing where I don't even want to cook the food? I just want people, or I, I think it's that they ship food to your door and you just put it in your microwave, you know. I mean, I, I'm sure the next level of that is probably having your own private chef that comes in and spoon feeds you, you know, healthy meals. I, I don't know. but um, so I'll take words, that you know, one as
0: it's offered. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, you know, I am without question. Where there's, where there's money out there, and there's chefs out there, Linda, they're there. They're out there. Just, especially if you live in the LA area. I mean, uh
0: huh.
2: Probably find one that's. that's
0: I even that's live big, right know? near Hollywood, so I'm sure there's plenty around.
2: <laughs> right. You could probably hire some person that was a you know previous chef for God knows who. But, um, you know, it would be beginning gluten free as well, um, but. Um, so, in other words, so they're solution-aware, so at this point, then they need a little education as to why your, particu- your particular methodology is going to be the thing for them as opposed to the, you know, 100 or more other options they have out there. Now, that brings us to the next level. Now, the, the next level is that they are aware of their problem, but they don't know that there is a solution. And that person is in a, is in a state where they don't have any hope. All they have is worry. So something's not working for them. They don't, they don't know that there's a way to fix it. And, they, and, and so with those types of, of um, prospects and, oh, yeah, I don't, think, I don't know if I mentioned this um, at the beginning, but each, at each level, as I keep going down, and there's, there's six levels. The, the, uh, the, the further we go, the tougher it gets. But it doesn't mean once we get to the end, which is the toughest nut to crack, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because actually the, the further out we get, the broader the basis of prospects. But the message has to be different for each level of awareness. So anyway, so back to the problem and where. So they, since they have a problem and they don't even know that there is a solution, they, they feel like, frankly, that they're, they're stuck with it um, and, you know, that they just have to live with it. Now, a perfect example would be someone who was told by a doctor that, you know, they have a certain condition. You know, you just have, you're just have you just going to have to live with it. You know, here's something to manage the pain. Um, and, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit later. We'll talk about direct, like, examples of, of the type of copy you would use in each situation. But um, some of the best direct response copy ever written for this kind of thing, you'll see it, is usually – in the health niche, like what I mentioned, like somebody who has our, you know, a, a, a mailing list that goes out to a list of arthritis sufferers or, um, you know, people that you know that are dealing with some sort of pain or diabetes and that type of thing. And usually the thing that ropes those kinds of folks in is when you, you have to let them know that you feel their pain, you know their fear, their anger, their desperation, and the angers that, that maybe that it causes. And some of the best um uh, direct mail that you've seen sent in that that particular niche always starts with a story that those people can relate to. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can give countless examples, and I'll and I'll I'll talk a little bit later. Um, I prefer, you might want to write this down because I don't think I wrote it down. but I, I do want to talk about the who's mailing what archive. Cool. Um, because that is without question in my mind as a copywriter and just a business person in general, is the most stellar uh, resource ever been made for copywriting. Wonderful. Um, oh,
3: what is it called?
2: It's called the Who's Mailing What Archive. Okay, well, oh, wow. I'm, I'm on Good. it. I'm not, I might as well talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Who's Mailing, the Who's Mailing What Archive, it, it confounds my mind that somebody would even do this, uh, but there's a guy that started, his name's Denny Hatch, and he's a, he's a giant in the direct response marketing industry, Somewhere along the line, he got the unbelievable idea that he was just going to get uh, himself, and I guess, I, I'm really not sure how they do this, but they have all these locations around the country that sign up for all these lists, and they just start gathering direct mail. So, you know, Brilliant. people call it junk junk mail. You know, I think that's, you know, <laughs> don't call it junk mail. It, it's, it's, it's been um, but. So they join all these lists, all these financial lists. You know, they, they want to be on every list humanly possible, and they have been collecting direct mail campaigns for, I think it's 20-plus years. Wow. And, they, and they've and warehoused this stuff. Now, what that gives me – now, when I say that this is, makes this the most ingenious resource as a copywriter, because here's the big struggle that I've always had, you know, and, and if you've ever heard of the term swipe file? Yep. Uh, a swipe file, for those who aren't aware, is that's basically, you know, that goes back to copywriting 101, which is never start with a blank page. In other words, the worst thing you could do, even me as an experienced copywriter, is to sit down to write copy and not have something to look at. Um, you know, get to spring to mind ideas. To say, okay, you know, in other words, don't start with a blank page. Don't just think you're such a brilliant copywriter. I'm just going to come up with a headline, just right out the cuff, and then just write this letter without anything to look at for ideas. So, But the challenge with the headline swipe files, or not even headline swipe files, just swipe files in general, is, is knowing that if the promotion that you're referencing or the advertisement that you're referencing actually works that's a big problem that I always had as a copywriter especially when like when you buy some of these copywriting courses even from some of these copywriting gurus out there I mean geniuses you know now unless they're going to put out a copywriting course and say oh yeah by the way every single piece of copy that I put in here as an example was a clear winner. you don't know that so you could be emulating in your copy a promotion that failed so you know I thought that but with the Who's Mailing What archive, they have they have set aside what they call the grand controls. Now, in in, in in the direct response copy world, a grand control is a direct mail piece that is mailed largely unchanged for a period of over three years. So, um, actually, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit later here in, in one of these examples. But there is a letter by the Wall Street Journal. You guys may be aware, familiar with it.
0: Yeah, it's a classic.
2: It's, it's, co- it's called, it's the grand control of all time. It is a mailing that has mailed unchanged for 42 years. It's, it's a control that has never been beaten. Well, you know, so if you can imagine, obviously, that is a piece of copy that you would like to emulate, maybe. Well, in other words, so the, so the, um, the Who's Mailing What Archive is a, a, so they've been collecting this, so they haven't been going to publishers and say, hey, give us your best direct mail pieces. They've just been collecting them and watching to see what they mail.
0: And this is so key for the folks who are listening, because what it means is that these companies that have spent large amounts of money on marketing found a message that's such a perfect match for their ideal customer, that it's working year after year after year, it's not going stale, and so they're continuously using it, because they have a bottomless font of money that they could spend to keep tweaking and adjusting and coming up with, quote, new creative stuff. But that message is such a match for exactly who they're trying to attract that they use it again and again year after year.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. That when you go into their Who's Mailing What archive, they have thousands and thousands of mail pieces in their archive. You can, you can download them via PDF. And um, they have now, like, I think the grain controls are the biggest copywriting treasure trove of all time. I mean, to me, if you want, if these are the pieces that have been mailed unchanged for three years plus. And, and just about every business niche that you can, or, you know, uh, business to consumer, business to business, there's insurance stuff in there, there's nutritional supplements, just about every imaginable niche you can think of. But, you know, I am still, I mean, I still write a lot of direct mail campaigns. Obviously, I'm sure most of the people on this call are probably big on online stuff. Uh, and, but I'm telling you, the best copy ever written on the face of the planet is in these direct mail pieces uh, in the Who's Mailing What Archive the Grand Controls. So, I don't want to beat that dead horse, but uh, anyway.
0: Thank so, you for that.
2: <laughs> back to the... Uh, the side the levels of awareness, I'm sure. not sure where I left off. Um, um, we
0: okay. were just talking about needing to be able to share your story about how you really empathize and feel the pain as the folks who are problem aware.
2: Okay, thank you. The, and and at, there, there's a good example because the grand controls, um, especially on the nutritional supplement side that I see, almost inevitably start with those stories. Um, you know, and they're, they're talking to a problem-aware person. I mean, it, you know, any it's pretty simple to, to get to buy a direct mail list for diabetes sufferers or arthritis sufferers, and then, you know, mailing that out there. They know that that particular type of leak works. Okay, so, and then the, uh, the last would be people who are completely unaware. Now, you know, something key that I need to bring up here. People who are problem aware, they just know that they have a problem, or people who <laughs> don't even realize they have a problem. You might think as a marketer, you're like, man, that is too broad of a market. I mean, how can I, you know, and, and I would agree. I mean, if you're just a startup company, you need to probably, you know, go more towards the, the to the beginning. But in order to grow any company, you're, eventually you're going to, you have to reach out into the, to these levels of awareness and, you um, you know, because they're absolutely necessary for growth. So people who are completely unaware that they even have, um, that there is, is even a problem, they don't know you or your product, right, so they don't care, um, they don't know they even have a problem that's worth solving. But you might think, well, well who are they? Well, this, interestingly enough, is, you know, that, that grain control that I told you about in the Wall Street Journal that's who these people appeal to, because that is, you know, is, and, and if, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's, it's a maybe a theme, where it starts off with, you know, on a, on a warm spring day, I think it's something to the effect of On a warm spring day, two men graduated from the same college. Um, you know, they both went on to work for the same company. And in other words, it starts with an engaging story that appeals, you know, because stories are universal. And this particular one is about um, just success in general, and pretty much the human, the human existence, which is what makes some people, some people who work hard, because the story goes on to tell about how, you know, one, they both went on to work for the same company. However, one was basically stuck in middle management. One ended up as the CEO, even though they had the same education level, you know, after 20 years, what made the difference? And of course it goes on to talk about the, you know, the Wall Street Journal was the difference. you know, you know, What does that address in the very beginning? It addresses in the very beginning the key question that pretty much every person asks is at the core of things, what makes that guy more successful than me or that that woman more successful than me? He doesn't have anything that I don't have. What makes them so smart or them so, you know, they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth. What, What is it that makes them so much more successful? So it gets at that key emotion and, but it addresses it in a story. Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal figured out that you know, that is a key question that pretty much everybody. You know, obviously, I'm sure they have. You know, it doesn't talk about the lists that they mail to. I'm sure they have certain list criteria that they that they mail to. And you know, instead of just blasting it out to everyone. But you know, so those are the levels of awareness. Um, has, has anything I said tripped you up, or did not make sense at this point?
0: Let's just restate them all over again, starting with number one.
2: Okay. Number one is they are most aware. Number two is they are product aware. Number three, they're solution aware. Number four, problem aware. Hold on. Yeah, problem aware. Number five is completely unaware,
0: As you were talking, I was thinking about how I react to commercials on television and so on. And that last one of people being unaware, I was thinking from the example of the Wall Street Journal. It's talking about that human envy that we all feel and thinking about how it works with girls in fashion magazines and, you know, all these other settings where they're depicting the message, you know, of why them and why not me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember a few years ago I had a client who um, I I was doing a piece for him and and he was more of a financial sector. And and I remember he said something to the effect of, oh, that that piece that came out in the journal this morning, I'd really like to put that out, you know, it was the thing about the such and such. And he assumed that I had read it. He assumed that I was, I was, I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, I just remember that feeling of hope. You know, it kind of caught me like, oh, man, you know, and, and this is, a, this is a, a person that, you know, granted the guy is probably 20 years older than me, and I knew him to be extremely successful. And I felt that feeling of, I, I don't know if it was like, uh, shame or what, whatever it was, because I didn't feel like I was living up to the, the expectation. Now, again, he just sent me the article, I didn't think anything of it, but the emotion that I experienced, was a real one, and, you know, and and it's kind of honing in on on that key emotion of, look, if you want to know, if you want to be part of that in crowd, the people that are really successful, this is what they do, and you can do it too for only, you know, whatever the subscription price is. Let me
3: ask you an interesting question. As we've been talking about these levels of awareness, one thing that it's brought up for me is wondering if you're doing online marketing, I would imagine that different types of traffic or different sources of traffic would bring you people that are at different levels of awareness. Is that true?
2: Absolutely. In fact, that's that's a good example. Um, I have a good example of a campaign that we're in the in the um, we're just in the developing stages of it right now um, with a a nutritional supplement company. So they have a uh, a product that addresses hair, nails, and skin. It, you know, it can help all of them. I, honestly, I haven't been in too much in the conversation, so I don't know that much about the product. But what we're doing from the very beginning stages is, is part of our plan is to make um, landing pages, if you will, that address each one of those concerns. You know, and that gets into a whole conversation about um, relevance, I'm sure you guys have talked, probably you've had other t- guys talk about Google AdWords or, or search engine optimization. Obviously, Google wants whenever they, um, if they're going to show your ad, we, we do a lot of AdWords setup. They want the page they go to to be relevant. So you know, yeah. if we're going to bid on, on keywords that have to do with hair care, you know, um, maybe, and again, I, forgive me because I don't know that much about the product at this point. Say, they, say the pain that the person's dealing with is split in.
3: Even that bird mine. wants to know. Oh, man, I'm muting. Sorry. <laughs>
2: I was actually sitting outside, and I came in because the uh, the sandhill cranes, which I'm sure you're familiar oh, with, yeah. uh, Gina, they have, say they're giant birds about five feet tall, and they have a...
0: <laughs> and I they had a them. giant metal animal called a trash uh, collector who went by the window, and I was running for the other end of the house with my phone. I love modern technology.
3: Well, I have these birds that actually swim underwater for 15 to 20 minutes at a time, and they're very unusual. I wish I could tell you what kind of birds they are, but they stay underwater for a good portion of the day. Well, three of them each came out of the water, each carrying a fish, and there's two other birds that were not underwater that were sitting on the shoreline, that want to eat the three birds fishing. <laughs> and that's what that was all about, was trying to get the fish from the other birds.
2: Oh, you funny. <laughs> Angry birds.
3: Mm. Oh. Going back to this idea of different landing pages for different levels of awareness, I would imagine that even the keywords would change as someone goes through different levels of awareness.
2: Absolutely, because if I have if I have split ends, I'm probably going to type in, you know, I have a problem. I'm aware of a problem, and I'm going to right. type in, you know, split ends, split end solutions, split end. Maybe I might assume there's probably a shampoo or, or some sort of thing out there. I might be, be a little bit more specific, or I might not be. I may just be going in and, and looking to read an, an article or watch a YouTube video or, or whatever. I'm just, I'm at that problem-aware stage, number four. Um, or actually, I'm probably more at the solution aware. I'm, I'm, I don't because in the problem aware, I don't really have hope. If I'm solution aware, I have right. hope that there probably is a solution. But I'm not biased as to which one. So yeah. if I put my my ad over there on the right that says something to the effect of, you know, maybe you just go for the gusto of, you know, split in solution, 100% guaranteed, you know three days of your money back. Now that would be a message that would. You know, maybe get their attention, or maybe you have to take a longer way around the barn. Maybe it's more of. Uh,
3: um, Two of my very favorite tools would be very, very helpful for what we're talking about. One is a tool called Yahoo Clues, the other is a tool called Keyword Questions that's actually put out by WordTracker. If you go to askggg.com forward slash clues, it will take you to Yahoo clues where you can put in any keyword and see what people searched before and what people searched for after searching for that term. And I was playing around with that as you were talking about these levels of awareness. And if I find the words they searched before and the words they searched after then take it over to a tool called Keyword Questions, askggg.com/keyword-questions. If I put in the keywords they search for before, they're lower in the level of awareness. If I search for, if I look at the keywords that they're searching for after, they're higher in their level of awareness. And I never realized that until just now. You have no idea how golden that is in my hand. <laughs>
0: yeah. I know that's going straight back into the uh, Directions University curriculum.
3: Oh yes, oh, no yes. question asked.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. That's, that's that's a great discovery. But what this really, hopefully, what you're going to take away from this is, as you're listening, is that you know there are people at all different levels of awareness, and it has everything to do with with how, your marketing message, you know. Where you're going to spend your budget, where you emphasize, you know, to me, if, if you have a crowd of people that are most aware, you know, Apple doesn't, you know, when they release their i5, they don't go run off and, you know, run a Walmart special in a place where they're not aware of the iPhone at all. I don't, I'm, not, well, I'm not sure if that place exists anymore on earth, but I'm sure there's somewhere. You know, they go, you know, to where their highest concentration. In other words, where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. But if you go out to um, go to audiences that are completely unaware, or they have, uh, you know, no bias towards you at all, uh, maybe they're not even aware of it. Of it they have, uh, or they have have a problem, but don't know what yours does for it. And you come out with the, the same message. She because the message that, that Walmart sent to me was sixty bucks off an iPhone five until December thirty first. That's all I needed to hear. Now, if I had no you know, you know they, they were, like, marketing to me something that I had no idea what an iPhone was. I no idea, you know, in other words, I have some recording to do. Uh, but I would bet that everybody in any business that they have, you know, you can't assume where people are and their level of awareness.
0: And, and you awesome. can't assume what their – well, uh, over time you would learn what your ideal customer wants, but in that moment where they're saying $50 off or another competitor saying $60 off, Apple could have put out an ad that said, no line, no wait. And some people who didn't want the 50 or $60 savings would have gravitated there. Absolutely. Different value yeah. system, but also they've made their decision and they're ready – to make their purchase,
2: right. So, at the message, the core, the core mm-hmm. message is I'm going to tell you some, just a little bit of something. You know, in other words, these offer leads, as we call them, to the most aware are usually short and simple. The headline is going to be what's the thing that's going to, going to uh, get their attention. What's the one big idea? And if no lines, no wait, is the big idea that's going to appeal to that certain market. That's the headline the other thing, now, you notice that the book that I referenced in the beginning is called Great Leads. Well, um, that's really what the – because it only talks about – in the beginning of the book, it talks about these levels of awareness. But most importantly, we're going to talk about what is the marketing message that's going to appeal to people at these different levels of awareness. So I'm gonna, I'd like to segue into that because I'd like to you know, help put legs on on this to help connect this in your mind. So with a person who is most aware, you know, where I would start would be, you know, if you already know that you want my product, you like my company, you maybe you've done business with me before, or sort of a no-brainer purchase, I, again, I just need to know what's the deal. And this is probably a poignant place to say this, but with direct response copywriting, if you're listening to this and you really don't, you know, I don't understand what the difference is between copywriting, direct response, all this, and offer – or Copyright, direct response is not a direct response unless there's an offer, and an offer doesn't necessarily have to be a discount, like like what you just pointed out, Linda. It could be – What in other words, what's the big thing that's going to make them take action now that's going to hook them, and an offer is not an offer without a deadline? So that – and. and if I could say that they're the one biggest mistake that I see marketers, uh, you know, in general, anytime I have a new client that comes around, or even older clients. Frankly, right? so you know, I've had uh, somebody I won't name, but you know, a very you know, well-known marketer in their niche. I was surprised, you know, when when lately they came to me with their campaign idea and they had no offer. Now they had a product, they had a service, they had something that was really cool. You know, it was a, you know, a, a type of membership, but they didn't have something that they could put a deadline on. So it was basically, well, we have this program that we want to sign people up for it, and we just want to get more people to sign up. And, I, and I, at the very beginning, I said, well, what's the offer? What's the thing that we're going to put a deadline on, um, you know, to get people to move? And, and actually, you know, they, it was confirmed by Bill Glazer that he said the same thing when he you know, consulted with them. And, you know, so we worked a lot on that offer. But that's a little bit of a side note. but that's extremely important to clarify that, you know, that it, with direct response, you must have an offer. It has to be something that is here today and not necessarily here tomorrow. Um, so, okay, so if somebody who's most aware, we would start with what we called an offer lead. Now, a lead is not, you know, there's a little confusion in the copywriting world what a what a lead is. A lead includes the headline of a piece but it would also be typically the first few paragraphs, maybe even going in the next page. Now you may be maybe thinking, well, how does that, you know, because uh, video is all the rage right now, obviously. I would, pretty much every copy project, project that I do anymore, I'm writing a video script, um, but I'm also writing, you know, not necessarily long form copy, just copy, just enough to sell the product. Um, but a lead could be, it's the thing that's going to draw people in get their attention out at of the, at the beginning, what's the headline, what's the unique selling proposition, it's going to draw them in at the beginning, and then, you know, it's going to keep them engaged for the first, you know, so they'll, so they'll finish up the, the, uh, the message. So, now, if a person is product aware, in other words, they know what you sell, but they're not sure it's right for them, um, you know, they don't know how you compare with the competition. That's where we talked about, you know, when I was reading the um, about the, the laptops, and I was making the decision right there. Well, that, a promise lead would be something that, um, that you might want to use in the headline, meaning I'm going to stick with my unique selling proposition. Now, the promise lead that would have that reached out to me at that point would have been something to the effect of you know, such and such laptop guaranteed to keep your lap cool you know, for hours on end, or something. I know that sound. That sounded really bad. But as, but the, the thing that really appealed to me at that point is I just wanted a laptop that wasn't going to sit and you know make me uncomfortable after sitting for two hours because I use it for a very long time. So in other words, it was the, the one major point that was going to separate that product from all the other products out there. That was going to hone. In. in other words, it's that unique selling proposition that appeals to me. So that separates you from the competition. Now, a solution aware, um, again, it would, would be they know the results that they want. That's where I use the weight loss. So, you know, I know I need to lose weight. I have hope that I can lose weight, but, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. Which one do I do? So at that point, we need to educate them a little bit. And, you know, and, and one of the best ways to, to do that would be a what we call a problem slash solution lead meaning that we got we call out the problem and then we talk about the solution um, I don't really like it. I think there's some better headlines and maybe a, a different niche like um, here's one: Do your hands and feet feel like blocks of ice that's a, that's a, a a headline that was on a winning ad now, I can say this about my wife. <laughs> is that she must have brought that part of Indiana down here to Florida with her because it doesn't matter how, what the temperature is outside her hands and feet, all, or her hands especially, always, when I hold her hand, all, her fingers are always cold. So, you know, now if it got to be a real problem for her, an ad that called out to her and said, you know, and, and had that headline, would probably be like, yes, actually it does. My hands always feel like it drives me crazy. I wish I could make this go away well, and then you would introduce the solution. So you know that there's probably hope out there. You're not biased towards any, any sort of solution. Um, cool. Now, it's I mean, so interesting
0: because I'm thinking about my own copy as I go, and I know you know, I, I have one of those minds that keeps trying to reduce things, so it's like, okay, is there a way to come up with 10 sentences that hits every level of awareness and I'm done? But we'll come back to that later.
3: <laughs> well,
2: for the you know, problem-aware, I, <laughs> I, I would ref, I would refer back to, absolutely to the book Great Leads by Michael Masterson and John Port. I mean, it's they have plen- plenty of examples, um, you know. And if you're especially if you're already writing your own copy, um, this definitely is one of those next level kind of things. You know, if you're if you're listening and you're not really you don't know you know anything about copywriting, you don't understand it. Probably not a good place to start. You probably would want to start with something like um, The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Um, You know, one of the more basic books. There's tons of good materials out there. Um,
3: We we only have five minutes left for this conversation, but Linda and I have already decided we have got to have you back on it in a future episode because you just have golden information for our listeners, and they all really badly need this, really, really badly.
0: And I know I've got 10 more questions of my own as you've been talking. So, um. (laughs) One
3: thing I I really want to make sure we at least touch upon before we finish here today is one thing I've often asked copywriters is how do you define the word copy? What is copy? And I know how I define it, but as a copywriter, I'd love to hear your take on that question. Because I think for our listeners, your take on it is going to be an eye-opener.
2: Well, I think that there's a, there's a bias out there right now that I want to kind of kind of go against. It really copy at the end of the day. They're, they're words that are going to bring people to the next um, desired action. And when I say words, I literally mean words. Because, like I mentioned, it's you know copy. I write I write copy for videos all the time. I write copy for you know I still do tons of direct mail. And you know when when we hear copywriters, we think of you might think of oh guys that write these big obnoxious 12- 24 page sales letters. And I do a lot of that stuff, you know. Uh, but I also I've done post postcard campaigns. So it's just it doesn't matter how long or short it is. It's really just the words on any in any form of media that are going to move people to the next logical step and, you know, to take them to the desired action. And that desired action could be nothing more than filling out a form, indicating interest in the very beginning, or it could be to take the desired action to sign up for your what you do coaching program for $25,000 a year. Now, it, so I, I, that's what I think of when I think of copy. But it's influencing people to make the next desired action.
3: That's exactly how I would define copy. You've oh, given good.
0: so many resources today that I'm going to put in the show notes so people can find them and pursue educating themselves. For folks who want your assistance, how would they go about getting that?
2: Uh, you can go to our website, which is uh, one stop direct marketing.com that's uh, all spelled out let you know it's it's uh, o n e stop one stop